Stand and deliver. Hello and welcome to the Stand and Deliver comedy podcast episode number 21. Uh, my name's Rodders, I'm a promoter, I'm a comedian, I run the Stand and Deliver comedy club up above Smoking Billy's right bang in the centre of Reading and more importantly for you right now, I'm also a podcaster. What's this about then? If it's your first time listening, it's me just taking you along on, uh, you can be a voyeur, is that the right word for it? No, it's got naughty connotations. Anyway, you're, you're like um, a fly on the wall of my life as a stand up comedian so if you're into your comedy either as an audience member or a performer this show is tailor-made for you if you're not into comedy then don't bother just stop now listen to something else listen to i don't know radio 4 and, and not the comedy bit the, the news bit although who can tell the difference between those these days um Anyway, my guest today is, uh, well, a real sort of linchpin of the Reading comedy scene, uh, Jeff Steele, an intriguing and hilarious character. He is, uh, well, he is responsible for the longest running comedy night in Reading, Go On My Son at the Sun Inn. Uh, It's been going for five years. He describes it as the best thing that's ever happened for all the wrong reasons. Uh, so we'll get into his gig and his mindset as a comic and all sorts. Uh, but before we get onto that, I, I've had a rather busy week, comedy-wise. I was um, uh, Oxford on Thursday night. Then Friday, uh, I was opening a competition uh, at uh, the uh, well-known, uh, well, well-known in Reading, uh, well, well-known outside Reading as well. The After Dark uh, Club was running a comedy competition there for the Reading Fringe. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the green room, yes, we had a green room, had a football table and uh, a, a PlayStation 2. One of the acts, Lucas, uh, brought along his video game collection. Uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, I felt rather pampered uh, by all that lot, very excessive. Normally, I'm just uh, crouching in a fire escape somewhere trying to memorise me jokes. Uh, but so that was rather fun. It's always nice to nice to gig in your hometown especially that whole lineup all but one were reading acts that just would not have been possible a year ago the reading scene is slowly but surely growing and we even had enough acts to um fill an entire lineup and it was kind of like a social uh, meetup because we all got together we all had drinks and then every so often one of us would get up and do a spot so it was really really nice um nobody cared about the competition in the sense that we weren't all competing with we all wanted to do our best and we all went out there and we'd all prepared but nobody really minded uh who was going to win because we were all just having fun and we all just wanted to perform to the audience and each other and it was just nice um it was a competition that doesn't feel like a comp which to be honest that's the best type isn't it because you're there to perform a competition should be fun and winning should really just be a really really nice bonus uh congrats to lucas jolson uh, the video game aficionado uh, that that won it um and then last night i was performing in the basement of a pizza restaurant in central London, in Cafe Mode it was called, and uh, it was boiling. Uh, we were meant to do two, sh- uh, three shows, early, middle and then a late show, uh, but we didn't get enough audience members for the last one because the, the huge party just pulled out, I guess because of the nice weather, but we had almost a full room in the, set- in the first show, second show was a bit more quiet. 
on the bill with me was David Mulholland. He was emceeing. We had Jake Baker, who's performed at my club before. And we had Tom Law. First time I've seen him, I think, although I did recognise one of his jokes, which probably means I've, I've seen him once before. But between the first and uh, the second show, uh, we sat down to have a pizza and a chat over how we thought the evening was going. This is the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast with Rodders. Right, it's the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast. I'm with Tom Law and Jake Baker. We're doing, uh, I think, what should we call it? The Cafe Mode Marathon. One night and three shows. And it's under, It's if you've never been there, it's uh, on Endell Street in Covent Garden in Londinium. And it's under the ground. And, uh, well, it, it's hotter than hell down there tonight. Sure, that would be really good. Excellent. Yeah. That's music to my ears. See when they're getting the VIP treatment, uh, P stands for pizza. First section, how do you find it, mate? You went on last. Headlined. <laughs> headlined. Nominally headlined, I guess. Um, yeah, it was. It was okay. They they were maybe a little bit quiet, but not drunk enough yet, I guess. There's a tipping point. I reckon the next show will be the sweet one, and the third one they'll be wrecked. That's probably how it, is that how it traditionally goes, you reckon? The later yeah, it gets, the drunker they get? Yeah. I mean, the is, how do you combat the heat at a gig? You can't, really. And, like, I don't want to go on there and moan about the heat, because that will just tie it, <laughs> that will just emphasise it, but at the same time, you can't ignore it. Yeah, I guess, address it once, and then, so, you know, so you're not lying to people, <laughs> and then try and get on without mentioning it again I guess that's what I would that's what I tried to do I think I did I succeed I don't know I might have mentioned it a second time I can't remember our compare David Mulholland's joined us um, how you how'd you, how'd you find the show one of three uh, well the first one was fun mm. yeah I mean, we'll see it, it gets darker it's going to be I don't know the shows here are so different you know you can have like a great show one show the next one will be terrible um, but sometimes the closing shows are great you just that's what I like about the fact we do more than one because if something goes wrong I, I've, I forgot my joke I'm halfway through and I, I'm going to avenge that by hopefully telling it properly <laughs> so at least to get another chance whereas if I'd gone home all I'd remember on the train is me screwing up that, that one joke um, yeah so do, does it do you find they get progressively rowdier as the night goes on or is it not is it not a simpler pattern as that I don't think it's that simple a pattern um, I've, I've had some great gigs here and it was almost always the last gig that was great and also some just shockingly bad ones because I thought they were, they were really nice they were attentive no one was yelling stuff out but it was almost as if they were just kind of they just left their house I got that feeling they were just starting their evening Tom hasn't spoken yet uh, what pizza you ordered that's the most important question well I'm glad you've asked me that question yeah uh, pepperoni that is a solid choice that is mine so uh, if mine's the first one though yeah, I think mine's got mushrooms on it, so that's how we'll tell them apart. Oh, I also like mushrooms, so they will not put me off putting mushrooms on it. I won't ruin the joke, because I can't speak Japanese. Uh, your joke in your set about speaking Japanese, it got a really good response. It's ballsy, though, because it's, it's a long joke. That's probably my favourite, so that's why I finished on it. But uh, I thought, because you'd done a little bit shorter, that I probably just had time to squeeze it in. But, yeah, I quite like doing slightly longer stuff. Open time. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's why I forgot that joke to give you room to do that one. <laughs> well, thank you very much. 
the master plan's coming together. Yeah, so this is gig number one of three, where we'll see how we all feel in a couple of minute, like, hours' time. Break more legs, guys. We haven't got enough legs to break, have we, if we've only got two each? Well, that's the thing that can't change. You can add a third gig, but legs is going to stay as two, isn't it? Jake Baker, Tom Law and David Maholland and me backstage at Cafe Mode. I'll tell you how the next gig went uh, in a little bit, uh, but I should tell you now these tickets for the next Stand and Deliver show, Dave Green is headlining, are on sale now. Go to the Facebook page, just look up Stand and Deliver Comedy Club and you can click the big blue book now button to book your tickets. We are now selling our tickets via jokepit.com. I ought to tell you about them because this show is brought to you with the help of jokepit.com connecting comedy they are a ticket website but they only sell tickets to comedy shows so if you're listening and you're a punter this is the perfect site to go it's a really nice simple layout half um, the ticket sites give me a headache looking at them this one is really simple you go on it and it's just chock-a-block with comedy posters click a poster book a ticket have a great night out if you're a promoter selling on this ticket website you the advantage is you know that people going to this website they're not interested in ballet or film or whatever they're just interested in comedy so it's a much easier way and uh, to find your target audience so at jokepit.com uh, for all your comedy tickets and now we better hear for this week's guest we talk about how running a gig for five years in the middle of a pub has actually been very very beneficial what makes this gig hard to play sometimes but what also at the same time makes this very very well worth performing at what you can learn from being forced to ad lib and uh, also knowing when to cut your set short we talk about that as a skill as a comic that is sometimes vital and we talk about that heart-stopping moment when your final joke of your set just doesn't work and we also talk about long car trips and performing in weird spaces this is jeff Steele. This is the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast. I'm with Jeff Steele. We've just been talking TV. I was saying my uh, Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares addiction has, has flared up again. And Hotel Hell, I've nearly finished that series because uh, he's an expert in restaurants and now he knows how to fix hotels. Well, you know, he's in catering, isn't he? And um, hospitality. <laughs> I guess. And it, well, his technique is very similar in both shows. He swears it until it magically gets refurbed. That is a technique that I also apply to most things in life. I just swear it until it works. It works with most machinery and people. Excellent. So if you have a failing restaurant and can't afford Gordon Ramsay, then just get Jeff in. Um, yeah, we should probably talk about uh, comedy. We've got to start with uh, your your gig, Go On My Son, which has been like it's been around in Reading for five years, and it's. I'm trying to sum up the word. How would you describe it? That's probably the best best place to start. It's the greatest thing that has ever been created for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> that is what I would describe it as. It's yeah, it's a bit gladiatorish at times, but yeah, it's just it's a free comedy night. Um, if you imagine trying to hold some sort of a function in a rowdy Weatherspoons, that's basically what we're looking at. It is. It's just in the middle of a. It's like it's a, an, a floor below the main bar, so it is basically a, a purpose-built bear pit. And if you, it's if you remember, I was meant to be when we. I was in the original meetings, and I was meant to be like co-booker. And I just said, "It's in the middle of a pub. There's stuff everywhere. They're all drunk. It's really, like it, this isn't going to work. Uh, I don't think I can help with this." And you just go, "Yeah, I know. So what?" <laughs> Five years later, it's still going. How? 
Because I was right, Rodders. <laughs> Sometimes you just leap across the gorge and hope that you land the other side. I don't know how it's worked. I I equally thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> but I was just like, eh, I'll see how it works. Because I figured the first one would work because it's a new shiny thing. And then I thought it might just peter off after that. But I was like, I'll get one out of it. It'll be fun. It'll be a story for myself or whatever. But no, it is literally the worst layout of a pub for a comedy gig but that thing at the back that we've got now works really well but yeah when i got there i was like i don't know how i'm gonna like put the thing up what put the speakers up and stuff just just say it out so that like we'd be able to perform properly (laughs) because it's just there's like a pool table area and then there's like there's walls block like dividing everything up and it's just, it's inconvenient. Because at the moment, it, it sort of works. It's, it's, like I said, it's, you go down from the main bar, down a small flight of steps, and then there's a balustrade, and below the balustrade, you've, you've got a table where you can put the amp, and then you've got the speakers, and you've got the mic stand, and, that, and the audience kind of sits higgledy-piggledy on better row of benches and some chairs. Uh, but originally, wasn't it up on by, by the pool table? Was that where the first one was? Yes. Well, but were people still playing? No, they... This was the reason we sort of moved it, was because we were moving the pool table out of the way, <laughs> and that made people angry, because there is all of two pool tables in Reading that people can use in pubs, and that was one of them. So, yeah, I, I hated that happening every time. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times it ultimately happened, but, yeah, every time you moved it, it was just these very large angry men just getting really sulky like children it's like, <laughs> i can't deal with this i gotta move them out yeah comedy is meant to bring joy what you've done you've marched in there and you've confiscated their toys it's, it's yeah. a dreadful way to behave but I, I, why, why didn't you just do it down where it was to begin with did it just not occur i guess i had a similar thing with my comedy club because it, my i don't know if you did it when the room it was the other way round and I only did that because that's how it was when there were improv shows there and I used to perform in that because I have no imagination when it comes to layout and it was stupid because to walk into the room you'd immediately be on the stage so if anybody got up to go to the loo they'd have to walk across where the comedian was like the room was backwards and now someone one of the bar staff just put it up the other way Mm. without me asking without telling me and I looked at it and oh that's Mars but why didn't I think of that was it a similar thing yeah, well, I that was sort of the way I was thinking of doing it because I knew it sort of had to be out of the way of general pub users because comedy's not for everyone. But, um, like, the landlord was the one who sort of goes, oh, why don't we do it over here? And I was sort of like, that is a good idea. But I f- it was basically like your thing where the, they have music on there all the time and it was just where they did it. They just moved a pool table and had an event on. Because it was like the biggest area. But um, yeah, in the end, it was like, well, let's just tuck ourselves away in the corner and hope for the best. But like, it would be nice to have it by the window for like people passing by going, what's going on? Because people will walk past the sun in and not know anything's on. Uh, that that is true, and like there's, there's always an A board outside, and it always just says something like just it just says beer or something. It never says comedy, and I just yeah. think, well, like, uh, go away, <laughs> go away, <laughs> public not welcome. Uh, but yeah, I guess then you'd have even more drunk people m- marauding in. Um, but also, there's 
Who actually came up with the name? Cause I lay claim to coming up with the name, and I think you do as well, and probably someone else does. It was definitely me. Because it's go on my son, which is a yeah. play on words. It's a son in, and it's like a, a phrase, go on my, my son. Yeah. Um, I say I come up with it uh, because of... Um, you know the Big Breakfast used to do the news thing, and they're like, "I'm gonna get in there," and it was like, "Go on, my son." Yeah, that's where I've I got it from. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I came up with it, and it, that was my throwaway idea of like, "Oh, that's not as good. That's a bit rubbish." And then that's what we stuck with. But I met. I was scared to play your gig for a very long time because I just thought because when we had the meeting in the pub I just thought this is going to be really really difficult it was a while ago now and I just I didn't have the confidence and then I thought I plucked up my courage I thought right I'm I'm just going to do it sod it it can't be that bad I'm just going to do it and I did and it was probably one of the most chaotic nights that's ever happened at your gig I mean, it is the except. Like, I don't think you can take this as representative of the night. Uh, I think this was extreme. Only happened once. It only happened once, but there was a fight, and someone got thrown for a balustrade and nearly landed on me. And I just like, I ne- I just ploughed on, but I've never seen anything like that since. Like, it was spectacular. Yeah, it was just a group of lads been drinking all day, and they were left to their own devices for a bit too long. <laughs> And yeah, just that was just the way that was heading. But um... (laughs) looking back at that night, that was very, very predictable. Um, You know what? Those lads were very like respectable. Like I know they caused some damage, but they they were like straight away sort of apologising and like say pay for everything, and they did pay for everything. Yeah, apparently they came back and fixed it all up in, yeah. like the next week. So uh, fair play. No one actually got hurt. It's just, there was huge potential for that to happen, yeah. but it but it didn't. So we we all got away with it. Another th- another great design function of this pub um, to get to the ladies' toilets. You have to walk through your gig. That's also brilliant. And I had that happen at a gig in. Um, Bromley by Bow in London, and it's always funny just people blundering in and going, "Oh, is this a toilet?" Like, it's great. Yeah, we've not had that many problems to be honest, because we are sort of <laughs> down. I think people like people that want to go and use the toilet see that that's going on and think, "I'll either hold it, yeah. or I'll wait for a gap or something." But no, it's always been fine. Who knows what will happen tonight, though? But they have got you've been there so if I. It's a credit to your gig because in the time your gig has been running, Jongler's closed twice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> gone through a few name changes, Jongler's. Yeah, and it's, it's just like it's still hanging on in there. And the the punters now they know there's comedy there. So some night it all depends. Now it's not as I think it's got. Who knows what will happen? I might get just. I'll probably just get booed off immediately tonight. But they seem to have got used to the idea of. Ooh, well, there's a comedy club here every month, and it all depends on the level of alcohol. And the set, the uh, the earlier you're on, the easier it is because they're paying attention. But like, it's very. I haven't. I don't. Well, obviously, I don't know what will happen tonight. But I haven't heard any malicious heckling there for ages. Everyone's just like, he's. They listen early on. Later on, they get drunk and they muck about. But it's not nasty generally, is it? Like they're all just. It's all just a bit mad. Yeah, I don't think they were ever nasty. They were sort of lost concept of reality that <laughs> something was like going on that was being watched by other people. 
Because like the main thing that you'd have, it wasn't like necessarily heckling. It would just be drunk people coming up and trying to talk to you. Like you weren't <laughs> doing a little show. It was just people going like, "Can I get you a drink? Can I get you a drink? I'm in the middle of something right now, mate. What do you want, though?" And he's like, "Ah." But no, that's right. Yeah, and I remember that you just... Well, it's happened a few times now. One of the drunks just periodically just gets given the microphone <laughs> and, he, and he will talk incoherently until you eventually wrestle the microphone off him. Uh, yeah, the, the wrestling sort of played out a little bit <laughs> just for comic effect. But, yeah, like, yeah, it was a weird... Because he likes to get involved a little bit and then he's not always there. But he likes to get involved... And, you know, it turned out the best thing to do was just hand him the mic and he'd get bored in two minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh dear. And like, whatever he said, I don't know what it was, but I was laughing. So, technically, he's a comedian now. He, we, we can, uh, he's one of us. He's, he's something else. He's, he's not from this world. <laughs> I want to see him sober and see what he's like. <laughs> I wonder if that ever happens, if that is even a possibility. He's hung over, if he's so. <laughs> oh, God. I have but, to say, yeah. I've, le- I've learned a hell of a lot from doing your gig. I really describe it as crowd work 101, because it just trains you to do that, and that's such a valuable skill. So I ha- I've had so every night that I've, I've had a rowdy audience and I've actually managed to succeed, I've always thought... Well, that's probably the sun in I learned that. Like, because it's kind of some nights they want, they, they listen to you, but they don't care about jokes. They want interaction, they want banter, they just want to be engaged with on a really sort of personal level, and they don't want just someone reading off their set. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite banterish anyway, and I think I work better that way because it's like fresh to me. Like, if I'm doing like some stuff I've done before, or people aren't up for crowd work, I can sort of find myself not really listening to what I'm saying or anything like that. So it's... Uh, it is, yeah, it's very good. It's good to perform for people with very short attention spans. It's- yeah, I think it's it's almost like if you're not like in the room and very present, they notice immediately and they, they switch off. So the minute you're remembering a joke or doing something that sounds a tiny bit rehearsed, it's like it's like they've just gone right, not listening. It's really interesting. I wonder how it. I guess it's the, the noise around, or but it does. And I, I just love all the wacky stuff that happens. Like the I, one night I do remember, one bloke had been a right pain all night. So you finish the show by arm wrestling him, and yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, my the show is basically <laughs> it's a it's a gong show, but I just leave the act with the gong. Isn't <laughs> there's like do what you want. <laughs> And if you feel like you want to implode, just wrap it up by saying, oh, that's my time, or anything that lets me know that you're done now. I mean, obviously, if someone's just taking too long. I do have an allotted time. Like, So someone would be like, oh, I've got 10 minutes, I've got 15, whatever. If they're doing 10 and they're doing well and they want to do a little bit more, I've got no issue with that. But equally, if they feel like they're going to die after like five minutes then don't put yourself through it anymore yeah because then it makes it doubly hard for the person who has to to follow and also you as the mc have to try and tidy up 
Yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing, I've got nothing against this at all, uh, but, like, with other gigs, like, if you are booked to do 10, and this is normal professionalism, you're booked to do 10, you do 10, no matter how badly it's going. But because I know my one's tough, I'd rather have someone have, like, an enjoyable five minutes and be like, oh, I got out of that one alive, rather than sort of do their five and start shaking and, like, be like, oh, and I it all do fall apart, five. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, like, fake it for them. Like, <laughs> just act like everything's normal so yeah. the audience doesn't catch on and be like, oh, they fall apart quick. Because it is like the, the, the booking process, anyone's allowed to get up and have a go. It seems like you let anyone do it, but you warn them it's a bit hard. <laughs> like, Yeah, I've got to be honest, it's not easy gig. But, you know... I don't understand that when people don't, if they're, like you said, if they're dying for five minutes and so they carry on and they do the full ten, I don't understand that because, like, I've had some good gigs at yours and I've had some dreadful ones, but I'm painfully aware of what's happening and I know when it's not going well because I can't hear them laughing. Like, it's, you know, it's just obvious you get that horrible sinking feeling. I nearly had a heart attack the other night, went to do my closer. No, it didn't land. I was like, oh, God. And then you have this heart-stopping fumbling when, like, you then scrabble to find another joke. Oh, God, I can end on this. Like, I think I stuck the microphone back in the holder and said, all right, I'll end on a joke. That got a round of applause for some reason. And then I said, I should have really walked off now, but I'm going to plough on. I then did another joke. And thank God that worked. Otherwise, like, it'd be like those nights and it goes really wrong wrong, wrong, and you walk off to silence. There's there's nothing worse, like, any, any gig you do. There's nothing worse than having your closer and it not land. And you're like, I need to think of something else now. I find it so hard to pick my closer. And then, like, I tend to just keep the same closer for too long. And I, I find that really difficult. Yeah, I think I've got uh, a bundle of very short things that I can end on. So I'll just sort of be going up until a time and then... I'll know roughly where the time is, so I know I've got, like, 30 seconds to finish this on a laugh. And it doesn't matter if it's the joke I'm just doing or if I just throw a Hail Mary out there. I'll just like, that's good enough to end on, <laughs> is my general thought at that point at the end of any set that I do. I did have to do the old trick the other night of just going, I'm oh, Rodders, good night, and getting a cheer just by saying good night and then walking off, and I just think, oh, I've cheated here. <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you can... It's just an easy way out, I suppose. I think, like, I almost think that the but end is, is the most important. It's the most imp- I think it's kind of irrelevant what happens in the middle. People only remember the start and the end. And if, you're, if you're, your gig is going really, really well, like, and your last joke tanks, then you might as well have not bothered. Like, I was having a really... I did... The first time I, I went to Hot Water in Liverpool... Mm. And I was having, it was a really nice audience, and it was mostly a new acts night, and I was having a great set, and I was thinking to myself, oh, God, I was going so well, brilliant, last joke, flipping flop, lost the room totally and couldn't get them back, and then I had to get off, and I was like, well, I might as well have not bothered, I might as well have just died all the way through as far as yeah. they're concerned now. Yeah, I remember someone, uh, uh, a comedian Jeff Ross has said that he got it off someone, that people only remember the home runs, so you just got to make sure you got enough decent laughs so that people go, oh, that was really good, because they won't remember the bad stuff or something. But don't you think... But yeah, you, you have d- got yeah. to bookend it well. You've got to have a good... You've got to at least close good. 
I never know. My big dilemma, and I guess it depends on the room, when you start, should you launch straight into a joke to let them know you know what you're doing, or do you do a bit of banter, test the water, faff about a bit? And like, because I've done it both ways. Some nights, it, it, I don't know, do you, do you, is there any definitive answer to that? No, you just got to read it, I think. I, I don't know. I am the worst in my, well, I am the worst <laughs> starter at gigs. I never know how to start. Like, there's, there is those people out there that, like, they've got their starting joke and it's nailed and, like, they might do it every time or whatever, but it's sort of like, bam, and it's, like, done. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to angle this in, but, like, there is some really good ones out there. It'd be like, uh, I don't know, like, saying, like, they look vaguely like a celebrity, but, like, a worse aversion or something like that. They sort of just be like, Oh well, this is uh, looks like this celebrity's let themselves go, or you know the classic thing of like, oh, this room's interesting. It looks a bit like this, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, oh, I look like a celebrity just in general. But I've never had anything to start with. You've got to be so careful with the oh, what a wacky room type thing, as David McIver yeah. termed it, uh, because like, I, I I still do it, and I always will but i'm always hoping that what i've said hasn't been said by every other app that's turned up like when smoking billies was called deja vu comic called russ powell ran a gig there every sodding gig a comic would get up and go it's lovely to be here at deja vu it's lovely to be here at deja vu yeah and they they do that joke it was just like and everyone would think that they were the first one to do it and if you went more than three times that gig it would drive you insane it's like you did that you said you did a gig in Wimbledon, and they literally warned you not to do any Womble jokes or something. <laughs> it's like, it's just... That's why I don't necessarily do it, because I, like, I don't <laughs> think I've got anything original to say about a room ever. And sometimes people really force it. <laughs> they sort of go, this is a bit of a crazy room, isn't it? Yeah, look I at, think... It, look at the chairs. Shut up. I think there's a line, isn't there? Because Sean Morley, uh, I heard him recently say that you've got to like take advantage of comedy being live. And often the time, you're not in a pristine theatre. You're in some stupid room that's totally unsuitable. So you might as well be real and point it out. But yeah. if you're just doing it in an unoriginal way... And yeah, I did plough on and do a Womble joke. I threw some litter on the floor and said, yeah. just leaving that for the, for the Wombles. And, and then I... I, I apologise for doing a Womble joke and I think I just about got away with yeah. it. But like, I think it's okay because you apologise for doing the Womble joke. But yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've had like openers before where it's like, because like you say, like you do do a lot of like dive places and rubbish places. I sort of had a joke based on that idea. I was like, I really should not use this as an opener. Because like, when I get to good gigs, it's like, what do I do now? That's me, because I've been playing a lot of weird hipster bars at the moment where they've all got dangling light bulbs where you can see the filament. And I've been cracking jokes about that. I've been mocking gentrification and doing stuff like that. And it occurred to me that I had that exact thought, what the hell am I going to do when like, I have to turn up to a pristine room that isn't... That, I, that that can't be slagged off because it's it's perfect. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I've got to rely on my own stuff, not the room being funny. Yeah. But I guess that's just the skill of having to write more. I guess. I think I had like a weird um, sort of almost superstition on it or something like that because it was I had just it was a hack joke anyway. It was just sort of um, I'd open up being like, oh, "I'm full of shit." For instance, I've told all my friends that I'm playing at the Apollo this evening or something like that, <laughs> and then. 
it's all like, well, this is sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy if I'm doing this because I know that I'm playing a load of rubbish gigs or something like that. It's like, what are you going to say when you get to the, if you got to the Apollo, yeah. what, what would you have to say then? The joke wouldn't work. <laughs> Actually, no, if I was doing the Apollo, then all I would do is just go, uh, I'm full of shit. For instance, I've told all my friends that I'm playing some rubbish bar in the <laughs> South Coast this evening. <laughs> To four or five people and a dog. <laughs> That's true. I, I do I, I do relate to the thing you say about having, like, it's really hard to start. Because I have my opening joke. I know what it is. If I just got on and said it, and sometimes I've read the room, I thought, they just need a snappy joke at the beginning, to then I can take command of the room, and then they'll trust me because they think I know what I'm doing. I go, right, I'm just going to do that. I get on, I nearly fall over the mic stand, or I fanny about, or I do a bit of... I just can't... It just... I don't know what happens. I just get on and suddenly a minute's gone by. I've mucked about and then I do my opener, my so-called opener a minute in. Like I'm almost scared of opening jokes. And I'll tell you, it's just because there's nothing worse than going up. I'll open with this joke and you go up there and you go, boom, and it dies. And you're like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, because you've only got one, one opportunity to make the first impression, haven't you? And you can't go... Yeah. Uh, I've got to save though. I just go, oh, I'll fix that in the edit. I'd say I ban myself from saying that now, or <laughs> quite as much. Oh god! But there's loads of things you can do, which is ultimately just addressing that it was rubbish. But I remember someone saying that, uh, like, you've always got that. It's like the ace in the hole sort of thing. Of, oh, this didn't go well, but you should never do it too early. Like, you can do it at the end. You almost do, like, a whole bad set and just be like, oh, that was awful, wasn't it? And then you just get your good laugh on it. But if you do it at the beginning and then you just sort of keep going, this is awful, this is awful, this is awful. Yeah, they'll, they'll be like, well, well, why are you bothering then if this yeah. is so awful? Yeah, they've got to... You almost ingrain it in their mind as well. Like... Yeah, because if you don't believe in yourself, why the hell where would they? Like... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, if you... I think it's generally a bad move and it's, it's exceptions to the rule, but going up and... Like, sort of almost opening saying you're rubbish. Not really a good move. I think you can tell them you're crap at anything. You're crap at your job, you're crap at sex, you're crap at... But if you go up and tell them you're crap at comedy, they'll be like, well, then why are you doing comedy? Like, mm. It's kind of like that. But I saw, when I saw first, first saw you doing comedy, like the first sort of phase, you just used to go up there drunk. Then you stopped doing that. Then you... I remember you used to do loads of improvisation. And I remember I was really annoyed one night because we went to High Wycombe. I did... A, 15 struggled you did you ad-libbed about a bloody hour and a lot of it was then really usable and i was like wow um and then so you would you never used to keep to time and i saw you the other week and you did a tight 10 and it was just bang 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 where did where did you how did you get from a to where you where it is now where it's like it fits within a 10 it's like I only, just to point out, I only stayed up there because they let me stay up there. Because at the time, it was, I didn't have anything useful to be like uh, timing myself. Oh, oh, do you mean a watch? I'd just be like, oh, could you signal me when I'm done? And (laughs) they didn't. Promoters would just leave me up there. And I'd be like, and I'd be stood there going, I swear to God, I've done 10 already. Did you not have a watch? No, I didn't like. uh, (laughs) Because I'd get up there and I wouldn't look at my watch. Look, I got a timer now, but it took me about. <laughs> Don't take it seriously. It took me about a year to remember to press start when Bloody I got up. Hell. There. And even now, I'll be up for five minutes and go, I didn't press start, did I? 
Um, we've had many wacky adventures, though. <laughs> like when when you burp the sat-nav off the windscreen on the way to Eastbourne, <laughs> and I nearly died laughing. Um, I didn't burp it off the windscreen. I, I don't know how it works. I'm not a scientist, but I'm just guessing... <laughs> That suction thing just gave up. I've stopped using it now. <laughs> Amazing timing. And I can barely breathe thinking about it. And we got to the gig and you were really annoyed because I'd been the worst company ever because I hadn't been able to speak. And Jim, the promoter, comes out and says, oh, hello. And he goes, how was your journey? You said it was shit. Rod has got the giggles and has been incoherent ever since. And he said, Why? I said, I recovered and said, Jim, he, he burped the sat nav off the windscreen. He burped so loud it just fell off. And Jim then cracked up and couldn't stop for it, stopped laughing. And then you just stormed off and had a cigarette. Oh, God. I didn't storm you off. You went off for fuck's sake. And walked out and had a fag. It's right. I might have done that for <laughs> that like, so but funny. in a jokey way. Um, but I'm not that much of a prima donna. It was brilliant. I mean, you had just done a four-hour drive, to be fair. It was it was a nightmare. And then I think uh, there was one punter in for every hour that we'd spent in the car. I eat four of them. And it was just like, that's the last time I've been to Eastbourne. I like to think that there was more than four people there, but... Though there was three. One of them, one of them walked, oh. out, walked out during my set. I believe that was <laughs> that was my fault, probably. That's oh, oh, ridiculous. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a long journey to nothing. It is. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, because it's, it's, you you because when it's when it goes when you drive all that long way or you get on the train, you spend hours and it's full. You think this isn't so silly. Yeah. But then when are you going to get a handful of punters? You think, oh wow, am I am I using my time correctly? What keeps you doing comedy? What keeps you in it? I just, I just enjoy doing it. Hmm. It's just, it's yeah, it's the thing I would be doing anyway. Like uh, weird story that sort of solidified it for me. But like, you know, if you sort of you find yourself doing something anyway, like I was, um, <laughs> this is a bad story. Um, but it happened many years ago. So I was in a. I was in a strip club with my friends because they wanted to go and we were all having a lap dance in his room and all I could do while this lap dance was going on and I feel so bad for this girl if she didn't fleece me for money but I all I was interested in was making my mates laugh by make, like sort of making some joke about her doing a runny fart or something like that <laughs> and that's just if we were just laughing our ass off none of us were paying attention to our lap dancers and I was just sort of like, maybe I just need to do this. Yeah, because <laughs> the the lap dancer is is irrelevant, yeah. and it, no matter they're where more cost effective. Like getting into a comedy club is a lot cheaper than <laughs> going into a lap dancing club. I'd imagine. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, like I just it's something I'm going to do anyway because I just enjoy making like people laugh. That's really what it comes down to. What was it? And then you went and got your first gig sometime after that. No, no, I was I was already performing at that point, but uh, yeah, so I've I always wanted to like give stand up a go, like from like early days of like being like five or younger, where like you go in like one of them like holiday camp things, and they'd have a comedian at night. I was sort of like oh, I really want to really want to do that because I enjoy making people laugh already at that point. I was like. We got to do it, and then it was just one of those things where you're like, 
oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then someone ultimately sort of forced me into it. Whereas they're like, oh, you're coming out. Yeah, uh, someone's doing a talent show. Like, would you want to just get up and do something? I was like, sure, thinking I'll turn out the whole thing and be forgotten about. And then as soon as I get there, like, oh, you're up now. So I just had to just sort of just... Had you, had you written a set or did you just make no, it all up I on the hoof? I ultimately had nothing because I tried <laughs> I tried to make some jokes before. Like I sort of had like people at the house that I was living at and I was sort of like trying stuff out going, it's just going to work. And they're like, mm-hmm. But then it would be me talking afterwards that was funny. So when I turned up to this thing, uh, my mate was with me. She was like, just, just talk. Just do what you do. That's funny. Don't try and do a joke, just talk and it'll be fine. That's so hard to distill that and stick it on stage, <laughs> isn't it? Like, being yeah. funny with people and then being funny on stage is so blooming different. Like... Yeah. I mean, it's just the lack of thinking that, like, triggers me off, but... Yeah. <laughs> was that the... Did it go well or not, or what? Yeah, it did go well. That's why I was like, I should stick with this. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's, that's shocking, isn't it? Because you just got with no set. Um, it's, it's amazing. And then I guess you just keep keep going from <laughs> there. this system works, I'll keep this going. <laughs> but like, I think you're one of these people that works hard, but secretly. Because I do remember seeing your notebook and verbatim, there was lots of stuff written down on it, which I always thought that you had lib. So I thought, hang on, he does write stuff. No, so uh, that was, uh, I was doing this thing a lot. And then a guy uh, said, like, to sort of cut it down, like, just get to, like, the bare bones for, like, gigs where no one's got an attention span and everything else. He's like, write it all out and then just cut out all the bits you don't need and then sort of do it that way. And I couldn't write it all out properly, but I just I gave it my best go. Were you like writing it, transcribing from recordings, or were you just trying to remember what I on was earth you'd said? Trying to remember what I said, and that's probably <laughs> the worst thing you can do. But I have no memory at all. I have to record all my gigs because I'll know if it went well or badly or somewhere in the middle. But I won't remember what I've ad libbed, and I won't remember details. So I have to record stuff, otherwise it's it's like I'll never. I'll just do the same thing the next night. Yeah, so I I mean. You know, just from doing it, like there is things that have been adjusted, but I'm not, they're not like written down anywhere because I'm not great at reading and writing. So, like, if I try and write out, it will be too long. I don't know how to structure sentences very well because I'm like, not great at write, reading and writing. So that doesn't help. And then if I go up and it's sort of I've got to do this thing and then that thing. I'm sort of too involved in that rather than thinking what I'm talking about. That takes you out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. And so then... I'm more a sort of, I mean, over time, like, you sort of have an order to it just naturally forming. But yeah, I do need to just be as loose as I can with it just so that I don't. Do you just have like a list of, do you write your drinks down at all? Do you have lists of words so you don't for, forget them? Because if you've written a lot of stuff, then you're going to, you might forget your really, like one of your really good jokes when you need it. So do, do you write, have them written down anywhere? Or do you just keep them in your head and hope it stays there? Yeah, I just keep them in my head and hope it stays there. I do have sort of like bullet points. Like before you go up, do you write stuff? Like, do you write, a, like some people, I always write stuff on the back of my hand or on a post it note. So, I also got like flashcards here. So yeah, it's just post-its where like I've think like I'll just sort of set a course. I don't necessarily stick to it every time because my memory's awful. But it's just as much as I can. I'm just trying to sort of work it 
I wish I could um, just hold bullet points in my head because I don't know what I'm going to do if yeah. when I come to doing an hour. Because if I write too much, I'm like trying to remember too much. But if it's like a bullet point, you sort of like look at that, and if you've written it out, you can sort of think. You can all, I can always picture that in my head when I'm doing it. If I get stuck, I'm like, uh. but yeah, it's just I. Yeah, best thing I can do with it is just like work it so it's sort of one leads into the other naturally like in my own head i have stuff written on the back of my hand and i really think i need to stop doing that because if i'm doing 10 15 or so there's just about enough room on the back of my hand for all that lot but what if i do an hour long edinburgh show i can't fit an hour worth of bullet points on the back of my hand so so what the hell am i going to (laughs) do i i used to have uh because that i'll like sort of just do beforehand just if i'm feeling like a bit sort of oh what am i gonna do i sort of write and be like so you know what you're doing but yeah i used to when i first started i'd have like a list of stuff in my pocket but i would get sort of too complacent with it like it was a safety blanket so i'd like at some point i'd be like oh like pull it out or something like that i've not ever written on my hand because that I would spend the whole time looking at my hand. I spent too. Maybe I should ban myself tonight from writing on my hand and just see what happens. Do it. Just yeah. Honestly, like because I'm so tied to that. Because I'm so worried about forgetting my set and losing my thread. Yeah. Maybe I just need to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Because for like for me, I just need to. If I have it on my hand, I will look at it. If I haven't got anything, then either I'm gonna remember it or. I'm just going to have to... I'm going to write it on a post-it note, put it in my pocket, and then not take it out, but not put it on my hand. I think that's the, the next thing to try. No, just 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 trust yourself. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah it's scary. Because I'm, so, I'm so used to being... I guess it's self-fulfilling. If I tell myself my memory's shit, it's going to be. But yeah. I don't know. My memory is genuinely shit, though. But, like, I heard... Uh, <laughs> this is not how I come up with it. But I heard that, like, you remember things better if it's attached to, like, an emotional experience. So if you're going up there like terrified, like I don't know what I'm gonna do, or I can't, I haven't got the order written on me anywhere, then you'll remember it more. Oh my god! This is oh. <laughs> put it to the <laughs> desk, I guess. Says, if you die this evening, I, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to let you take all the credit for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with being an adult, isn't it? I can't just blame other people. What, what a damn shame! I guess we need to go to the sun now, do we? Yeah, uh, right. So, uh, can you be found on the good old internet anywhere? Facebook at Jeff Steele Comedian. Uh, Jeff Steele Comedy on Instagram. Yeah. And where do you find the, the, the sun in? Uh, should people want to come along? And they ought to come along. It's been in Reading for Yonks. And yeah. where have you lot been? Um, yeah, it's facebook.com forward slash go on my sun, as in sunshine, or just at go on my sun, search for go on my sun, and you'll find the Facebook page. Join us for a wonderful evening of free comedy. And mayhem. Awesome. Jeff Steele, thank you very much. Thank you, Rodders. This is the Stand and Deliver Comedy Podcast with Rodders. That was Jeff Steele, blooming funny. So if you get to an opportunity to watch him, uh, take that opportunity. Uh, you won't regret it. Uh, so I, before the interview, I was just uh, I was telling you about a gig uh, on Saturday night uh, where we, we were meant to do three shows in the basement of this pizza restaurant called Cafe Mode. The gig has been running there for absolutely ages. Um, 
And first show, nice and full. Second show, not quite as full. And uh, the hot weather does take its toll on comedy ticket sales. And the third show, we ended up just having to call it a night. Uh, But a very worthwhile evening, but somewhat chaotic. On the way to the stage, uh, I nearly tripped over a waiter who was giving somebody a pizza. Woman then tips wine all over a pizza and the waiter just gives it to the act saying, oh you can have this now <laughs> like chucking scraps to us which i actually thought was a fabulous new invention at pizza seco i called it uh, you can get drunk whilst eating a pizza very uh, time economic for all you functioning alcoholics out there uh, but that wasn't the strangest thing that happened i did nearly fall over a waiter and then i was worried that the audience was just going to think i'm another waiter so i had to tell them i wasn't i ended up doing a weird sort of audition where i tried to be a waiter and didn't do a very good job of it. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, my last joke, um, we were talking with Jeff earlier about the importance of your last joke landing. Um, My last joke was completely and utterly upstaged by a gentleman getting locked in the toilet at the back of the room. I mean, he got up about halfway through my set to... um, uh, well, go to the loo. And I, I didn't... You know, sometimes I make a joke out of this when this happens, uh, but this time there'd be quite a lot of disruption already in the night, so I decided to ignore it and plough on. And then towards the end of my set, um, I didn't actually notice he wasn't there again. Uh, but if if I had been paying more attention to him specifically, I would have noticed that he'd been gone for quite some time. And uh, here is the moment uh, when his wife realised that he was desperately trying to escape from the locked toilet door at the back of the room. I had to abandon my final joke, and in fact abandon the show and declare a state of emergency. Uh, I, I got out of university uh, fairly recently, and uh, as soon as like, I got out of university, people started saying to me, He's got well, stuck in the toilet! <laughs> oh, So there we go. I think I handled that in a very cool, calm and uh, collected way. Uh, my main worry was the lack of loo roll in there. Uh, so yeah, anything can happen when you do comedy and uh, it often does. And that's what's so amazing about uh, places where you do uh, more than one show in one night. Shows can feel very, very different and be like almost as if they're on completely different nights or even completely different planets. But the uh, most serious trial of the entire night was getting home. Uh, it was awful. Uh, the tubes were delayed, so I, I was meant to get my the 11.30 uh, fast train from Paddington back to Reading. It should have taken about half an hour. Missed that one because the tubes got delayed. I then got the quarter to midnight, which should have got me in by 1am. Uh, but it got stuck outside Slough because of a fire. So I didn't get home until about 3 o'clock in the morning, so I'm absolutely exhausted currently. Um, uh, but then I, I discovered it, it sounds quite dramatic. I thought maybe the entire station was on fire. No, uh, my friend who happened to be near one of my old university mates, actually, um, one of my uh, someone I knew at university actually happened to be in Slough and took a photo of this fire. It was one bus stop roof had been set ablaze and they closed the entire railway, I guess, just in case it then set fire to the track somehow. Um, but yeah, so that was the cause of delay. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah. Uh, well done for ruining uh, my evening, whoever set fire to that bus stop. I, I hope it was worth it. Um, so uh, that's just about it. Now I'm going to give you the rundown of what's happening at the Stand and Deliver Comedy, the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club. The next show is on the 11th of July. Our MC for the evening is Callum Ross. He hosts the roast battle at Angel Angel Comedy in London. He's absolutely phenomenal. Had him a few times at the club, but never had him MC. And I don't know why. Bit of an oversight on my part, but I can't wait to have him and the headliner is Dave Green very surreal and interesting really unusual but very very funny act be meaning to book him for ages we'll also have Maggie Kowalski and Patrick Brushnahan will be opening Uh, so it's a really solid bill Erin Tett is there as well so it's going to be a real uh, mix of variety and it's going to be great fun all round go get your tickets now Uh, look up the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club on Facebook, click the big blue book now button or go to jokepit.com and look for Stand and Deliver. Also, big shout out to Jokepit because this show is brought to you in association with Jokepit, uh, giving us a helping hand and uh, they help me flog tickets as well. So uh, good on them. Uh, they are top lads. Couple of highlights from my own gig diary. The 16th of July, I'm going to be in Oxford at the Castle Pub for a, a show called A Club If You'd Like To Go. I think it is the only comedy night named after a Smith song, so it's worth going j- just for that, I reckon. That should be fun. Uh, then, 29th of July, Scratch and Sniff Comedy at the Aeronaut in London. Then on the 3rd of August, I am emceeing a lovely afternoon show called Coffee, Cocktails and Jokes. 2pm at the King and Queen. A lovely thing to do with your afternoon before you then uh, go do something a little rowdier. On then, the day after I'm emceeing another club on the 4th uh, it's another afternoon show I'm at Mates Rates Comedy at Bluegrass Barbecue in Reading it's a really nice show I performed on their opening show in fact uh, listen back to episode number 19 of this podcast and uh, uh, you'll hear a report me and the promoter and uh, MC Nick Bayard uh, talking about the opening night uh, or opening afternoon even that's what's so difficult about performing at an afternoon show because we're so programmed to saying good evening um Anyway, uh, and I'm sure there'll be more gigs popping up as uh, as the months rumble on. So go to rodders.com for that, R-H-O-D-D-E-R-S.com. And I said this most weeks, and it is amazing when you guys actually pay attention and do this. Whatever you listen to this podcast, uh, write me a review, a nice one, please. It honestly makes a big difference. It's not just me being a narcissist. Uh, it helps boost us up the rankings. The more uh, listens I get, the more likely I am to make more of these episodes. Um, and the more likely I am to get sponsorships and stuff like that, and uh, which, which makes the show just easier and more manageable, to be honest with you. Uh, so do that. If wherever you listen doesn't allow you to write a review, just send it to a friend or post it on, on your Facebook or whatever. Every bit of help really helps. Uh, so that's it. Uh, my name's Rodders. Cheers for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Oh.